Good evening. Yeah. It's good to see you that you came home tonight on a Friday night. Some of you we've seen just yesterday, yesterday in the evening. Tonight's service is mostly we're going to remember his last words. We're going to consider how the world gets darker and darker and darker. Maybe as we progress through the service, the sun will continue to set and we'll have an experience of that with nature helping us as well. So it's Good Friday. A lot's happened since we've gathered. We would remember that last week there was an entrance into Jerusalem. Palm branches waving. Here comes our King. Hail, King of David. What a celebration for an entire city gathering in Jerusalem. From the edges of the Jewish, the known world they came, the diaspora, the ones who were out and about, they were coming back home for this Passover celebration. And it was a long celebration. They were in the city for a long time. It was a bustling city, 10 times the population, from 100,000 to near a million. That's a big change. The energy in the city has changed. So here comes a procession, Palm Sunday, palm branches waving. Here comes a simple man riding a humble animal, and he enters the city and he goes to the temple. They celebrated their hope has come, their Messiah has come. No sooner than he gets there than he cleanses the temple because they were focused on money and making money. The prophet of religion, think about how many millions of dollars are made even today, people selling religion, selling a message, selling their books, seven steps here, 10 steps there, come do this. We got the music, we got the show, we got the lights, we got everything. They sell religion. They were selling religion then. He enters the temple and he says, no, my father's house is a house for prayer. My father's house is a place for worship. And the money changers and all the animal changers, that stuff swept out. They didn't like that. So the procession kind of ends with a fight. Jesus making his God's house, his father's house clean. Well, events go on through this, that, that week. He's teaching and doing other things. But we do remember is that sometime after he enters, he tells his disciples, go and prepare a place. It's already set up. Just go meet the person because we're going to go to that house. They've already got it set up for us. And they did. They found the house. They found that everything was prepared for him to celebrate this last supper. Before they celebrate the supper, remember the events of yesterday, Monday, Thursday. It's a very busy day. Very busy day. On one night, it's hard for us to remember the whole thing. But last night we remembered, and our Monday, Thursdays, remember, the Monday, the mandatum. That's the Latin word for commandment. That's why we call it Monday Thursday. Commandment Thursday. What's the commandment? We kind of didn't think about that as much last night as we remembering the Passover meal and the Seder meal, but the commandment was to love. Really simple. Love your Heavenly Father. Love each other. The summation of all the Old Testament and New Testament, love. That's the commandment. Monday Thursday's commandment to love. And then if you're not really sure what that looks like, Then he shows you. He kneels down, the king of all creation, and he goes to their feet and he kneels at their feet. It's always an awkward thing when someone kneels at your feet. Even more awkward if they pull off your shoes. Because you know what's inside your shoes. And typically we're not very happy with that or proud of that. The older we get, the more twisted we get. When you're the babies, I remember us chewing on our boys' toes. Those cute, beautiful little things, they were just precious. 
I've seen the feet of my 80-year-old grandfather and they were twisted and he couldn't see and move very well to go down there and clip his toenails very well. My mom had to do it for him. Strange-looking toenails. And then something about slippers didn't smell well. So imagine Jesus washing that part, the part that you're ashamed of, the part that doesn't smell good, that doesn't look good. It's not the way it used to be. That's what he did. He washed feet. Are you uncomfortable burying your feet? Get over it because Jesus needs to wash you. Are you uncomfortable exposing your sins and the smells and the things that you're not proud of your life? Confess it. That's part of that night. He washed that part. The king of creation washing creation's feet. After that, then he has his meal and he breaks bread. They remember that old, old story that death would pass over the houses. And so he took bread, but now he makes a new commandment, a new covenant, a new contract, a promise with all of creation. And we remember that last night. Remember the Old Testament story, how they were enslaved, and then they're going to be set free, and they were in fact set free. And the 10th plague, Pharaoh said, go. And actually, here's a whole pile of gold and silver, go. And they did. God kept his word. But now Jesus takes that, and he perfects it. It's just not a once event that you have to do every year. What he does on the cross is for all eternity. This new commandment, this new covenant in his body and his blood is going to stand forever. Apostles, they, they heard he was going to do this. They heard three times in Mark's gospel that he was going to do this. They didn't like it any time that he said it, but he still did it. So he broke bread and he gave it to him. He gave thanks. That's a tremendous part. When you hear that on, on Easter morning that he broke, makes a covenant, that he gave thanks. When he took the bread, he gave thanks to his father. It's like, thank you, Father, for the opportunity to die for my friends. Do you hear that? Thank you for the opportunity to serve my friends. Thank you, Father, for letting me love and letting the world see how much we love. Powerful words, subtle. He gave thanks. He gave it away. Every time they eat bread, unleavened bread like that again for the rest of their lives, they will remember what he did. On top of that, he poured the cup and he gave thanks. After he did that, they went out to the garden. There he prayed, and there his friends fell asleep. How sad. His betrayers dismissed to go turn him in for 30 pieces of gold. You know, here's $30,000. You know, betray your best friend, your Messiah. How shameful that is. His curse is he didn't say he was sorry. Peter denies him. We remember that night. It was not a good night. That was just starting yesterday. So when the sun goes down yesterday, he goes to the garden to pray, and it's late in the night. While we're sleeping, last night in that history, we remember that he stayed awake and he is praying. Very human, very godly prayer. Father, if you can take this away from me, this cup, this cross, do it. He knew it was coming. But not my will, but your will. He submitted he loved his father. He loved us. If there was any other way in the world, Father, please do it. There was no other way. So he loved. He's in the garden. We're sleeping. His disciples were sleeping. The three premier ones, the ones that had seen his transfiguration, the one that had been there on the close stuff, they fell asleep on him. He's just right over there praying. They can see him praying, but they can't stay awake. Well, neither can we.
we sleep in our lives too. Either way, the betrayer comes, they arrest him, and they, the, 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 his night continues. The church last night, again, we went to sleep. But over our night, let's remember what has happened. After he's arrested, they're dragging him back into the city, right? They're, they're moving him into the court where he's going to meet, a, a gathering of people that never meet at night. They don't do business in the dark. They never do. But on this night, they did. With this son of God, they did. They're beating him. He's awake all night because either he was praying or now he's being mistreated. Dragged around, slapped around, punched, knocked down. By the time he gets here, he's got scuffed elbows, scuffed knees, maybe a few bruises here and there. In the night when they're questioning him, they're hitting him. They put a cover over his head. Cowards. If you're going to punch me, let me see you face to face and try. Not him. They put a thing over his head. He couldn't even see him coming. He never saw it. Tell us who hit you if you're the Messiah. How horrible. They interrogate him and they beat him and they mistreat him all night. There's no sleep. Think about that. He's tired. By the time Peter's betraying him, it's been a long time. His friends run away. Peter denies him. He knew all this. He knew all this. Next comes the morning. That's today. Friday. We remember it. They wake up, and as soon as they know that it's time to conduct business, they drag this tired, abused Jesus to the Romans. And they start their whole back and forth. We want this guy killed. What has he done? Pilate washes his hands. He he couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. Something about Jesus. Even his wife had a dream. Don't have anything to do with this. They release the criminal, and the crowd cries out, Crucify! Friday morning. What a way to start a morning. One week, here comes our king. This Friday, today, this morning, crucify. Let his, be, his blood be on us and on our children. Did they only know what they said? That's another powerful line. So we remember that about nine in the clock in the morning, he's being crucified. Just before that, after Pilate said this, Pilate says, well, go flog him first. Oh, how easy. Just go flog him first. That's huge, guys. That's a big deal. Flogging. I could really, if I was a Roman soldier, I could absolutely take your life by flogging you. I could. Come here, strong man. You're one of the strongest guys I see up here. Come over here. I don't know. No, no. Both of you, you're just having to be more. Put your arms out and face this way. All right. Flogging. If I wanted just to torture him, I'd take that whip and I'd come across this way and it hit here and it'd come around the side and it would dig into his back and I'd pull it and it would tear through his skin. That's one. He gets 38 more. Now, if I'm really wanting this guy to suffer, I'm going to take my baton and I'm going to hit him down in here in his floating ribs. And I can hit hard enough, I can dislodge your floating ribs. They're not connected, they break easy. And I can get those going into your internal organs. So not only am I tearing his flesh, but when I take that rod and that thing, I can come over here and I can hit with such violence here, I can break his ribs and tear his flesh. Now come to this side. So by the time it's done, he can't hardly stand because he's got bones going inside his body. He's bleeding. 39 or 40 minus 1. He gets flogged. 
flogged. Go and have a seat. So now he's so weak he can't carry his cross. This is maybe 8, 8.30 or so. That's how his morning started, folks. That's how this Friday started. He is now trying to carry his cross, and he can't. The Bible record all says that he was too weak to carry his cross. He's awake all night. Not a big deal. You can stay awake and still have strength. But he was beaten and abused all night, and now he's been flogged in such a way as he can bear. But he can't die until he gets to the cross. He can't die until he gets to the cross. So they find a bystander to carry his cross. That's how his morning started. We woke up, we had our coffee, we had our donuts, whatever, we went off to work. On that Friday, he started his day by trying to carry a cross. And he was a mess, unrecognizable. When you get punched in the face a bunch of times and you're all swollen and bloody, it's not good. Unrecognizable. So he's carrying his cross, he's making his way. Crowds, women are crying, crowds are shanning. The Romans are trying to just survive because the whole city's in a stir. And the soldiers are probably wondering if they're going to make it over there or not because the Jewish people could reach through the crowd and just stab them at any point. It's a very dangerous, hostile world that morning. They get out there and then they lay him down. Nine o'clock, they crucify him. He lays on the boards and they drive the spikes into his wrists and into his feet. Then they hoist him up and the weight of his body falls on those three points. Spikes on his wrists, spikes in his feet. Either point will hit bone. This spike will drive against this bone. This spike will drive against this bone. Spikes in my feet, if I try to release this, will drive into the the bones on the top of my foot and wedge in. There's no relief. It's one of the most torturous, horrible things there is. And how you support your weight? Nine o'clock in the morning, that's where he was. Suspended, feeling the full weight of his body. And he says his last words. Tonight we remember them. Three different gospel or four different gospel books all shared different emphasis of what he said, but tonight we'll remember. It was real. And it was for us. When he comes off the cross tonight, his work is finished. When you think about the cross tonight, we'll be saying this as long as I can breathe. When you see him up there, in some ways you can say, yes, poor Jesus. Because that's a horrible thing. On another side of it, you can see him. He's winning. He is winning. His fight, he is winning. The world is unleashing the most horrible, torturous, demonic, evil things they can against him. And he keeps forgiving and he keeps loving. This is his victory, not his defeat. His victory. When you see the cross, that's victory. Because the, the evil one in the world threw everything we could, and he, his love, wins. It wins. Is his love bigger than your sin? Absolutely. Is he loves love bigger than my sin? Absolutely. You add up all of us in the face of the planet for all time, his love is bigger. It wins on the cross. That's a victory day. Sin is defeated. He forgives. The evil one's defeated. He didn't go for the temptations. And death will be defeated. So yes, engage in the story. Go there. That's what we do. We go there on Thursday and Friday, and we pray through it on Saturday. Easter will come, but not yet. This is Friday. Remember, it's a victory. God, help us remember. We'll start off with our prayers. And we pray 
quietly together. Gracious God, we gather tonight to remember the suffering death of Jesus. Let me feel overwhelmed tonight by the depths of Jesus' love for us. Make me grateful for his commitment to defeat evil. Give me gratitude and humility in accepting Jesus' own suffering and death on the cross on my behalf. He was despised, rejected, oppressed, and afflicted. Yet he was prepared to be wounded for our transgressions. Help us to see and understand the meaning and the terrible events of Good Friday. Keep the fire of hope alive in our hearts in response to such love and sacrifice. Help us to commit ourselves as his disciples to overcome evil with good, suffering with wholeness, oppression with justice. We pray this in the name of the man from Nazareth, the one who lived with a great passion for your way, the ones whose death is soon. Amen. Well, and as always, when we gather and when we worship, we invite God's presence. We do so in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We contemplate our Lord's passion unfolding and ending as he submits himself to the frailty of human flesh, even to the point of death. Tonight we hear and meditate on the words of Christ on the cross. At his final moment, he speaks the words, It is finished. Simple words, giving us an ending hope. Praise be to Christ, who endured the cross and torment of hell, and for the forgiveness of our sins. Go and have a seat. We'll continue with our Good Friday offering. May our tithes and our offerings be holy and acceptable in your sight, Lord Jesus. Well, it shows us standing, so let's go ahead and stand. And we pray together our offertory response. Holy Jesus, you gave the ultimate sacrifice for us on Good Friday. Thank you. We humbly present our offerings with gratitude and thankfulness for the free gift of your love and forgiveness. In your name we pray. Amen. We will sing hymns, or verses 1, 2, and 3 of hymn 109.
throughout these days of Lent, we have solemnly and reflectively followed Jesus' mission for the salvation of the world. Tonight, as we confront the culmination of Jesus' passion, we are compelled to face the harsh reality of our sin and the brokenness it brings. We confess, Lord God, we need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We have failed to follow your will. We have refused to obey your law. We are unable to fulfill your plan. We are crushed under the weight of our sin. And tonight, the harsh reality of sin's horror hangs heavy around us. It is sin that made the cross necessary. It is our sin that required the Savior's death. Lord, grant us your grace and your forgiveness. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We need a Savior. It was sin that made the cross necessary, but it was love that drove Jesus to the cross and it held Him there. It was love for us. Because of His love and His perfect sacrifice, our sins have been covered. The debt has been paid. The burden has been removed. As we hear and experience that reality tonight, we know throughout that we have God's grace. We have God's forgiveness. And this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord be with you. And let us pray together. Let us remember Jesus who prayed for the forgiveness of those who rejected Him, who loves all people, and prayed for them. Even if they denied and rejected Him, Jesus hated sin because He knew the cost of pride and selfishness, of cruelty and hatred, both to people and to God. Let us remember Jesus who humbled Himself, obedient unto the cross. God has exalted Him who has redeemed us from the bondage of sin and gives us new freedom. May we ever be grateful for Jesus the Christ and what He has done for us and continues to do for us. We ask this in the name of our Savior. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat.
The first word is from St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. O oh Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ, you are the Prince of Peace. When you were mocked, you did not respond with harsh words. When you were tormented, you did not react in anger. When you were nailed to the cross, you prayed for the forgiveness of those who caused you to suffer. Give to us the virtues of gentleness, patience, and a forgiving spirit. Teach us also to love our enemies and as children of the Heavenly Father to live in your peace. Amen. The second word is from St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. And the people stood by, watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, 
Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. O Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus Christ, in your infinite mercy, you heard the plea of the dying thief on the cross next to you. We pray that you would open our hearts to welcome those who turn to you and rejoice in their salvation. When our last hour comes, hold us firm in our faith and bring us also to live with you in paradise. Amen. The third word is from John, the 19th chapter. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ, while you suffered the agony of the cross, your thoughts turned to the welfare of others. 
Your concern was not was for your mother in her sorrow. We pray that you would regard with pity all parents who mourn the death of their children and all parents who sorrow because their children have gotten into trouble or have forsaken their faith. By the power of your healing, we pray that parents and children know peace and that relationship be restored. Amen. The fourth word is from St. Matthew, the 27th chapter. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemasabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. God, Father of all people, Creator of all that exists, You hold all people in Your power. We pray that You would not forsake the world that Your Son died to redeem, even though we still see the influence of sin and evil all around us. Assure us of Your continued presence in our midst. Help us to know Your love in our lives so we can show Your presence to others. Amen. The fifth word is from John, the 19th chapter. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. O Lord, have mercy on us.
Lord Jesus Christ, You endured not only spiritual anguish, but also physical pain on the cross in our place. We thirst for the healing that only You can provide. When we find ourselves suffering, give us peace and patience to endure the pain that comes our way. Bring to our minds all that You endured for us and give us the strength to bear our burdens by the grace of Your holy example. Amen. The sixth word is from John, the 19th chapter. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. O Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus Christ, you are the author and finisher of our faith. You did not stop short of finishing the task given to you by your Father for the sake of us and the world. We pray that you would complete in us also everything that you intend for us, so that as children of the Heavenly Father, we may live for his glory. Amen. The seventh word is from St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. O Lord, have mercy on us.
pray, Lord Jesus Christ, as You gave Your life on the cross in our place, You commended Your Spirit into the loving hands of Your Heavenly Father. Give us the grace to trust in You for all things. And when our last hour comes, grant us peace that we may close our eyes with confidence knowing that we also will dwell forever in the hands of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Let us pray together the prayer our Father taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Before we say the benediction and get close to the dismissal, tonight when the the choir has sung their last song and they wait for the final words, when they're done with that, they're going to walk over and they're just going to put their hand on the cross. If you don't know what to say, you can just say, thank you, Jesus, and then head on out. We probably will have a lot of folks leaving out that other edge, but if you want to join in that same thing and just remember... Put your hand on it. Wood is real. Nails are real. And you can say, thank you, Jesus. And then you can exit as well. That will be our dismissal. Again, we will dismiss quietly tonight, pondering the events that have happened. The benediction. Jesus, we wait here by your tomb, carrying our grief. The grief of the betrayer. The grief of a denier. The grief of the crucifiers. We carry the grief of the lost, of the heartbroken. Upon you was laid the grief of us all. It is finished. God of the tomb, be with us now as we wait for the joyous Easter morning. Pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
And Joseph, he took the body and he wrapped it in a clean linen shroud. He laid it in his own new tomb, which had been cut in the rock. He rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. The tomb was sealed.